When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, but that I call Mobile Syrup's teen correspondent is on the internet. We're, we're chatting over the web for the millionth time and possibly permanently at this point. Uh, how are you doing, Brad? I'm doing good. You know, starting to settle into my bad boy lifestyle at home alone, uh, but you know, Getting used to working at home, starting to enjoy it more than I was before. How about you? How are you a bad boy when you're home alone? What do you What do you do? Do you eat like a shit ton of ice cream? Yeah, I do, and I eat it before noon. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's definitely yeah. a bad boy thing. Yeah, it is. We, we, we also have uh, John Lamont on the podcast with us today. How are you doing, John? I'm doing pretty good, making my glorious recur- return to the uh, syrup cast. Feels good to be back. It's a syrupy return. Yeah. Kind of kind of sticky, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Can't get rid of them. So this is a, this was um a little bit of a, a crazy week. There's a lot of gaming stuff. Um may seem weird that we're not gonna talk a ton about it, but we're gonna do a specific gaming podcast next week, early in the week. It might even hit like partway through next week, hopefully. Um just so we can focus on all the Xbox Series S, X. PlayStation 5, PlayStation 5 All Digital News. This particular podcast is focused on all things Apple. The tech giant held its first of what I think will probably now be many fall hardware events um, where the company discussed and revealed the Apple Watch Series 6, the Apple Watch SE, the new iPad with a faster A12 processor, and the surprisingly cool-looking iPad Air that really makes the iPad line very confusing at this point, but we'll get more. We'll, we'll get into that later. I think the event itself was pretty good. We'll also talk about that later, but before we hit that, uh, Bennett, do you want to talk about the hottest news of the week? I would love to. I'm burning up to talk about the hottest news of the week. The uh, first the first hottest news, or, you know, the hottest news, as some would say, is that PlayStation 5 games are going to be $90 before tax in Canada, uh, which pretty much means that all video games are going to be $90 before tax in Canada at some point, uh, which is just terrible news for anyone that likes to play video games and also likes to save money. Uh, That's how do you feel uh, that? absurd. Absolutely absurd. Yeah, I think this would be a little easier to swallow if games didn't feature stuff like microtransactions. I don't think it would ever be easier to swallow. Like, it just is a lot of money. For, like, I get that so much work goes into it, but, like, the entertainment value that you get out of some games just doesn't feel like a hundred and some dollars worth, you know? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah. On the other side, like, I know in Canada, Bennett, you've covered this a couple times, like, there's 
there's been some price increases over the years, but in yeah. other countries, the cost of games has remained pretty, pretty stagnant for the last little bit. So I, I mean, in the States, like I kind of see why there's a price increase. The cost of game development has gone way up. It's supposed to get even higher with this next generation, but like from the consumer side of things, I don't care about that. I don't want to pay more for games. Right. So, yeah, like it's just a lot of money where it's just like, oh, I used to be able to like, you know, kind of pick up a game on a whim, you know, like 50, 60 bucks, whatever. Now you're like getting games on sale for like $70 tax coming to 90 yeah. and you're just like, yeah, I have to like budget this in now. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. We also uh, got the um, the PS5. I know we're going to talk about this next next week on a different podcast, but we should mention the PS5 pricing. So the the regular console, the regular PlayStation 5 um costs 629 in Canada I believe and then the digital edition is 499 um yeah yes yeah which puts the digital edition which is like a fully fledged capable powerful next gen console a hundred dollars less than Microsoft's fully fledged capable next gen console which is kind of crazy. Yep. We'll get more into that. But yeah, Sony seems to be taking this one again, as sad as that may be. Uh, but segueing into some positive Xbox news, game streaming is now available on Android in Canada for Game Pass Ultimate subscribers. So if you subscribe to Microsoft's Game Pass Ultimate, you can whip up your Android phone or a lot of Chromebooks, it seems like. Uh, get the Game Pass app and just like stream games. Play them like Stadia, you know, link your controller. It's a lot of fun. Uh Hellblade, Sinuous Sacrifice, Minecraft Dungeons, and I think there's a third game that is escaping me at the moment, but those games actually have touch controls as well, which is kind of cool. Oh, really? Yeah, the Minecraft Dungeon one, I I fiddled around with that a little bit last night, and the controls are even like sort of skinned, so they look like Minecraft controls, and it looks like a a first-party app more than a console game, but you're still like streaming this console game underneath. So, I mean, if more games can do that, that'd be really sweet, like... I don't know. If Minecraft Dungeons, Minecraft Dungeon is a pretty pretty sick game. I did I did a like a little I guess review of it a couple a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised. I didn't think it was going to be any good, but it's it's kind of like Diablo for kids in a way. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of what I got too. Do you know if Microsoft has any plans to bring the Xbox game streaming to uh, browsers or the web or anything like that, or is it just going to be an app? They haven't announced anything, but I can't see that not happening you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's gonna happen at some point it's just a matter of when um i I personally like john you cover this stuff for us mostly but i want to see it come to the iphone and the ipad because i would love to be able to play xcloud games on the ipad with an xbox controller but uh that doesn't seem like it's gonna happen anytime yeah not not unless apple changes its uh app store guidelines again and significantly yeah yeah, I don't and, know how it's going to work on the Apple side of things. But I yeah. think at some point they're just going to have to uh they're going I I I think the thing that will change Apple's position on this is consumer demand for XCloud. So if it takes off on Android and becomes extremely popular, I think they'll have no choice but to to change uh mm. their policies, but but we'll see. Yeah. I I think it'll either be consumer demand if it takes off and is really popular. Or if um, the Epic Games lawsuit plays out That's true in, too, yeah. in Epic's favor, then it might open up other app stores that would allow Microsoft game streaming. 
Yeah. Uh, and I guess the third alternative is Microsoft makes some sort of progressive web app that you can use on your that iPhone. That would be interesting. That just completely bypasses the app store altogether. Yeah. The I other mean, thing um, could happen. Go. The other thing quickly worth mentioning is just the pricing of the, the new Xbox consoles real quick. Cause again, we're going to be talking about this next week. So the series X costs five ninety nine, and the series S, which is like a 1080p next gen system. Microsoft has this whole other strategy um, that costs three seventy nine. So we finally got Canadian pricing for both, uh, both next gen systems. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get more into that, but yeah, game streaming's here. It's pretty cool. Uh, I hope more games add touch controls and uh, I hope that it, it like, you know, makes its way to Apple TV or Chromecast in the same way that Stadia kind of has, or even just Apple devices in general. And like John said, the web, uh, but for now it's on Android. It works if your internet connection is fast enough and it feels like the future when it works. Um, this one, I'm hoping you'll be able to talk a little bit more about this, John, but NVIDIA is buying arm for 40 billion us dollars. Uh, which yeah, is a pretty big move. It's pretty massive uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, the the biggest being that NVIDIA is technically kind of like an ARM customer. So, you know, it would be like, you know, somebody who is super wealthy going in and buying a Walmart that they shop at regularly or something like that, right? Like, Imagine it just someone did that. Yeah, <laughs> that, such a power move. Yeah. This, this is my Walmart now. But um, yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, one of the companies that you licenses arm stuff is now going to take over. And then that brings up a lot of questions um, on the regulatory side of how NVIDIA is going to handle running arm with which licenses its technology to competitors of NVIDIA. So there's, mm-hmm. there's some questions around that. Um, and of course the deal still has to pass through regulatory scrutiny. I think from, China, the EU, and the US. So uh, they're kind of expecting China to be the big roadblock there. Um, So there's still some stuff that needs to happen before the deal goes through. If it does go through, it's going to give NVIDIA a pretty great um, entrance point into getting AI uh, technology that it's working on into just about any device out there, um, which is kind of NVIDIA's goal. So that's the NVIDIA angle. And then for all the other um, companies out there like Apple, Qualcomm, Samsung that, you know, license ARM tech to make their chips. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond. And yeah, could be a big move. It's super interesting. I mean, it's kind of like changing the way chip. I mean, it's hard to put into words, but it seems like there's this slow passing of the torch from sort of like AMD Intel towards arm and apple being like the other big chip manufacturer maybe you know samsung or huawei to an extent as well but like they might be using arm stuff i I don't know but like it seems crazy that nvidia in the future could be like the intel or the amd yeah totally they're they're definitely like trying to go on that path um one area where nvidia is putting in a lot of effort is in uh, like server stuff, um, getting their GPUs into servers to help with machine learning and, and AI stuff. Um, so, you know, acquiring ARM would be a huge step in that direction because ARM CPUs for servers and stuff like that is kind of an, an untapped market and mm-hmm. one that's largely dominated by Intel right now. So that's kind of a, a big move towards potentially taking a lot of Intel's uh, main 
um, area of expertise. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool. And I'm like, I don't know, this whole passing of the torch thing, very intrigued, very excited to see like where we are in five years chip wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, yeah. So the last thing I sort of have is a Toronto restaurant is launching a pizza delivery service. Do you guys read that one? General I Assembly. Did have a, I saw the the headline, but uh, I was busy. So I don't think that's one that I, I edited. How, how does it even work? You just get like these like uh, vacuum sealed pizzas sent to your house that you can reheat in the oven. <laughs> how many? Like one a week? Uh, no, I think it goes from like four to 12, maybe something like that. 12 uh, pizzas like a, a week? That's crazy. <sighs> okay, let me, that, let me. I had it open. That's one second. Let me pull it up again. This seems uh, like a service exclusively designed for friend of mobile syrup and current New Zealand resident Josh McConnell. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I think somebody yeah. was tweeting that at him yesterday. It would have been you, but no, it was Ian. I, Ian tweeted said it to him and he was like, I need this. Yeah. No, and General Assembly is great. I mean, we used to eat there all the time. No, it uh, is, yeah. I just yeah, I'm also like kind of on the fence about how this is. I think it's hilarious and I like the idea that it's like framed as this like tech type subscription service, although it's just like pizzas showing up. Um, and I don't know. I want, do you think like this is the future or do you think this is just kind of like, Oh, a hundred percent. I don't this know if the pizza subscriptions will be, but like just subscriptions in general for everything. Yeah. It's, it's the future. Okay. Here we go. You four to 10 pizzas, four pizzas is going to cost you 40 bucks. Six pizzas is 57 10. bucks. Eight pizzas, 74 bucks, 10 pizza stack, 90 bucks. And yeah, they just look like they're, uh, like vacuum sealed, mostly cooked pizzas. Um, so crazy. And that's I, that's per week or per month. Like how I, I often? Seems, uh, <laughs> or is it like, like it doesn't? Googling it doesn't research. say. Oh, it's a monthly stack. Okay, monthly, I was gonna okay. say, is it like? You know, does it come with like one of those Amazon buttons where when you're out of pizza, you press the button and it puts in another order for you? This is opening the door to like a lifestyle where you just sort of sustain on pizza, you know, like you get a couple of these orders, you get a couple of uh, oven pizzas, you get like, you know, pizza, pizza on speed dial and you just sort of like live and sustain off of. uh, I kind of did that when I lived by a little Caesars. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. You talked about that a lot. eh? Yeah. Hot and ready's. (laughs) I feel like little Caesars is kind of at the forefront of pizza innovation with their like delivery rack they have that like lockbox that you you order your pizza and then yeah, put it yeah. in a warming lockbox and you come in and scan the code on your phone to get it yeah yeah so at one point i was cool. uh i was trying to do a feature about that and uh it, di- it didn't pan out but but maybe I'll, I'll resurrect it when things get slower again yeah. yeah what do you mean get slower that's ideal news like that should be number yeah. one priority <laughs> like next yeah, time number Apple one text canadian tech story wipe them aside be like sorry apple i know <laughs> there's like devices and people care about them and it's like a big commitment but i have this pizza thing on the go and it's important to a lot of people that i get it done so <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely it's gonna change that. lives but yeah i think i think it should i think it would um but that's it for the hottest news of the week it wasn't uh, the hottest news because we left a lot of the gaming and apple stuff out but we're gonna get into that uh are you ready for to talk apple Yeah, let's hit it. So um, I think Apple kind of has this live stream 
it's not a live stream. This like pre-recorded product reveal thing figured out for the most part, at least better than every company I've seen. I thought the overall presentation was pretty good. Um, I would say that it's like the same overwrought. We're the best Apple stuff that we see all the time, but like that's Apple. That's what they do. That's not going to change. But I thought the production and stuff like that um, was was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, what did you guys think? It, it was, yeah, definitely impressive. Um, in my experience with some of the other events that I've done, like there's been a really weird range with um, uh, the pandemic events and the virtual events. Most of them have just been kind of like boring live streams where some exec gets up and talks for half an hour about why their products are the best. And then that's it. Um, and then there was a couple of weird ones. Like there was one, I think it was Motorola that did it where it was like, they just had a website that went live at a specific time yeah. with all the information on it. But then the website completely broke and wasn't accessible when it was supposed to go live. So I don't know. There's been some weird ones, but I think Apple definitely has it figured out and has been consistently really good during the pandemic. Their their presentations are nice. I mean, it's definitely like a step above production value wise. Like when they like zoom down into the basement and there's like that old dude just down there working on chips and he's like, Welcome to my lab. <laughs> like, let's let's look at all the chips I've been building. That's that's some pretty cool like that's a cool moment and like it, it's fun that you kind of like get to see these different parts of the Apple campus. Although I don't I still don't know if that's like a real Apple lab or if that's staged. Any thoughts on that? I'm on the fence. I, I would think that, I don't know. It could be real. That place is crazy. Like it just when you looks walk around so the campus. Perfect and pristine. Like it looks like a movie set. That's Do like so people many people actually work I, there. I've talked I, about this before. Like when I've gone on tours of the campus, there's like things that they'll do. I think specifically because media are there, like they'll make sure the basketball court is packed. So you'll be like in a golf cart driving to your briefing and there'll be a bunch of people having fun playing basketball. Uh, like, the, so I think, I think that like it probably is real because there's a lot of things at that campus that are incredibly cool, but also look almost fake because they are so pristine and perfect and clean and stuff like that. Mm, fair enough. But uh, yeah, in terms of in terms of the presentation itself and the presentations that Apple has been displaying since COVID-19 sort of took everybody home, I think they're a step above for sure. My main gripe with this one then is that why is it here? You know, why do we need to have like what we now think might be two or three separate presentations in the fall. Yeah, One of my like favorite things about Apple previously, and John and I wrote about this and like discussed this at length a couple of years ago when we wrote this story about material design and Google's staggered rollout of everything. And I remember just being like in love with Apple because everything just comes out at once. It's like, guess what? It's Apple day. Boom. Here's the new iOS. Here's a new phone, like an iPad, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I know that like, it was never that intense, but everything definitely seemed to happen in two events. It was like, boom, one event. And then the next event, six months later was everything else. And now yeah, you don't I, know I what I like to that too. Yeah. It was, just I, like really I was awesome. of, I was of the opinion that like we were going to see the iPhone 12 and 12 pro, if that's what the new phones end up being called at this event. Um, and I was entirely wrong. I, I just like, to me, 
even if the phones were coming out until October or November, I still thought they were going to show them off. But maybe yeah. that was too much of a gap between the reveal and the release. I don't know. It it didn't happen. But I like I agree with you. Like I, it was a pretty disappointing event in respect to most of the stuff that was revealed. Just because like everyone was waiting for the iPhones, right? I did yeah. a couple of like media interviews after after the event, and that was the main thing. Was like um, these anchors were asking like, why wasn't there an iPhone there? Um, so yeah, it, it definitely wasn't just us. It was like the general public kind of had that perception as well. Yeah. And I think like Apple has had an iPhone event in September, um, early September for so long now, it's kind of become like an expected thing, right? Like, oh, definitely. It's September. It's time for a new iPhone. You know, I remember years ago working at Best Buy, I would have people come in, in like July or March and they'd be like, oh, when's the new iPhone coming out? And I'm like, September, it's always September. Come back in September. It'll be here. September so I think it's just like a huge shock to everybody's system for there to be September and not be a new iPhone yeah Steve Jobs would not let this happen <laughs> <laughs> he would have just been like re- reveal all of the products even if they're not ready yeah yeah like I don't care but if like reality show, distortion field will solve an iPhone yeah there'd be and like I think these like go ahead, there's go ahead. there's gotta be something something has to be going on. Like I suspect that there's some sort of issue that they're having a hard time working out because of the pandemic. There, there's some reason that there wasn't an iPhone there. Um, yeah, no, I agree. There's some sort of supply chain uh, issue or something. Yeah. There's rumors of supply chain stuff. There's rumors of like testing was pushed back because of um, COVID, like their real world testing that they do with the devices. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll probably never know for sure. But I think one of the things that some people think is like, there's not going to be new iPhones this year. Oh, that, no, that's, that's not the a, case. Like they're coming crazy. out. They'll, yeah, they'll we'll be see. out before Christmas for sure. Like there um, shouldn't be yeah. new iPhones this year. I think that's a better question, but they're going to be new iPhones. <laughs> like, do we need an enough. iPhone with 5G? No, we could wait till next year. Do we need that. any phone? Do we need any phone with 5G in Canada? That's We could do a whole podcast about that right now. That's true. Mm-hmm. I think, if, like, briefly, we definitely need a new Pixel. We got enough Samsungs this year, but the Pixel's been kind of weak with the 4 just being, like, pulled from shelves, and they need to fix that problem. But, yeah, in terms of, like, the iPhones, the 11 series was great. We don't really need that replaced yet, but we will. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's coming. So let's, let's jump into the actual um, devices. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the new... I don't know what we want to call it, the new iPad, the 10.2 inch iPad, the iPad 2020, however we want to refer to it as it's a relatively unexciting update to the last version of the iPad still measures in at 10.2 inches, still has the same like curved design that Apple started moving away with, with um, the last two versions of the iPad Pro. It still has the magnetic connector. It still has compatibility, compatibility with the smart keyboard, the first gen pencil, which is weird. I don't know why the first gen pencil is still around. I, I find that a little strange. Um, but the lightning big port. upgrade this time around, yeah, the, the lightning port. But they could like they could change the design in some way with the magnetic. I I don't know. Um, the the big change this year is is just the the A12 processor. Uh, so like I in my notes, I kind of I, I'm again of of two minds about this. Like on one hand, it's a pretty lazy refresh to this base level. 
entry level iPad. But on the other hand, that allows Apple to keep the price pretty reasonable. It's 429 Canadian, which don't get me wrong, it's still a lot of money, but for an iPad that is this capable, it's a decent deal, especially if you start comparing it to like the higher end iPad, like the new iPad Air or even like the iPad Pros. Um, Bennett, you're one of the only people I know that have like used this version of the iPad and used it pretty extensively too. Um, how do you feel about this refresh? Um, I'm down with it. I mean, more power on the iPad is always good. It is a little annoying though, because this is the chip that came out in the iPad mini. Like, well, it came out a long time ago in like the iPhone, what XS or XS? XS, uh, XR. It, it came out in that, but then they put it in the iPad mini as well. Um, but when they put it in the iPad mini, they didn't put it in the base level iPad, which was kind of annoying then. So now anyone in the past year that bought the base level, like 10.2 inch iPad this year or last is getting like this worst chip, even though like the A12X was already out and being used in different iPads. It's kind of like this like forced upgrade, which is kind of annoying. And I'm not saying that people have to, but it's just like if this chip was available two years ago and it was already an old chip then, like why didn't we use it then? Um, yeah, but yeah, in I terms of yeah, I, sorry, I was let just me just say, I, oh, no, you go, you go, do your thing. I was just going to say in terms of power, I think it's great for like kids all the way up to like the end of high school, probably depending on like what you're into, uh, academic wise, you know, if you're spending like a lot of time on a keyboard coding, maybe this isn't for you, but if you're just doing some word process, word processing, it's awesome. And then like older people who don't use computers for work, I think this is an awesome like web browsing tool, you know, watch some Netflix, keep up to date on Facebook. And I see a lot of people using iPads like that. So, you know, for what it is, the price seems to fit that uh, user case. Yeah. And like on your note about the the processor, I just I find it weird that they're still running the A12 in this um because like look at the the iphone se it's a little bit more expensive than this ipad but it's got the a13 so i think they could have really made it work if they wanted to put a more powerful processor in there and still yeah. kept the cost reasonably low and i oh, think that's kind of so one too. of apple's biggest strength in you know making its own silicon for the ipad and for the iphones is it's able to kind of take a hit and put it in lower end hardware that wouldn't normally be that powerful and really just kind of blow the competition away. Like that's the best part about the iPhone SE is it's as powerful as the, the top of the line iPhone, but it's priced to match up with something like a pixel 4a or other mid range Android phones that just can't compete on that level of performance. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I agree. I think I wish overall, Apple would have done the same thing with the iPad, like the same. Yeah, powerful. Even the the Android tablet situation is even worse off than the phone situation. There's just like nothing competitive out there in most sense senses or most ways yeah. that you look at it. So I think like we're we can talk about the next device now too, because it sort of segues into it. I think the iPad line is a little confusing at this point. Like you have the iPad mini, which was refreshed in 2019 and Apple seems to have forgotten a little bit about. Um, and then now we have the new iPad Air, which as far as I'm concerned, seems like the iPad to buy now. Um, it's not coming out until till later this year, to, to be clear. But um, like it has the, the new 
uh, sort of more angular design from the iPad Pro. Um, it has USB-C, which I was surprised about. I didn't expect that. It has a new, entirely new chip, the A14 Bionic, which even beats out the A12Z that was in the 2020 iPad Pro. And that thing only came out a couple of months ago, which like, like that just, I, I don't understand the logic there. Um, it seems like the ultimate iPad package um, to me anyways, and like those colors that it came out with, especially the green one, they're really, really cool looking. Uh, I guess like Bennett, what did, what did you think about this iPad? I, I, I thought it was really cool, but I was also a little surprised by it. Same. Like on one hand on my like gadget lover hand, it's like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm like, this is a really cool looking iPad. It's the best looking iPad ever. Like, I love that they made the iPad pro design a little more affordable. They made it more powerful. You can like put it into the smaller iPad pro magic keyboard and it should fit. Apparently yeah. like it can be this laptop replacement, but why on the, yeah. And then on the other hand, when I take like a step back from just like, you know, gushing over this cool piece of tech, I'm just like, but why is it here? So we have like two iPad Pros. We have this iPad Air that's the same size as the smallest iPad Pro, but with like different bezels, I guess. So it has like a slightly smaller screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it also yeah, doesn't know there's there's, there's no also, face ID. Yeah. So I think I think the bezels must be bigger, though. I, I can't say this for yeah, certain. It's, it's but, hard to tell. So what? It's like a 10.8 inch screen or something, right? I believe so. Uh, and yeah, 10.8 inch screen. The smallest iPad Pro is 11 inches, yet they both fit into the same Magic Keyboard case. So that must mean the footprint must be roughly the same size, meaning the bezels yeah, must right, be though. larger um, on the iPad Air. I don't know if that's for certain or not. That's just what that means to me. Um, but beyond all that, like leaving all that behind, because that's just like a weirdness. But yeah, the question is like, you know, who is the iPad Mini for? The regular iPad is definitely for like students and old people who browse the web and do email, Facebook. That's it. Who is the iPad Air for? I don't know again. And then the iPad Pro, I don't really know who those are for either. Like, I get that there are people out there wanting to replace their laptops with a tablet, but how many people really are doing it and, and can they? Will the iPad Air like become that as well? I don't know. It's it's super weird. Like, I guess I do. I do, I do think the price is decent, though, especially when compared to the Pro. Yeah, it's weird because kind of you have to compare the Air and the Pros now to laptops and Chromebooks. Well, the regular That's iPad and true. iPad Mini are just still tablets. It's, it's a weird place. I don't know. I guess it boils down to, like, you know, what does iPad need to be a laptop replacement? Because Apple is really starting to push that really heavily. Yeah. and well, There's not very much. Go ahead, John. I was just going to say that if, you know, if Apple's pushing this line of the iPad being a true laptop replacement, then, you know, where does that leave the MacBook, which is in, for all intents and purposes, a very traditional clamshell laptop. It's not, you know, any of the crazy two-in-ones you're seeing coming out of, you know, manufacturers for Windows laptops or some of the Android tablets out there. So it's kind of like the iPad and the MacBook and everything on the computer type of device side of things from Apple is just kind of really confused. And I'm not totally sure what Apple's trying to do in that range. Yeah. And it's yeah, almost... we, we were talking off, off the podcast too, John. Um, you, 
you're you're definitely not like a, an iPad guy. Um, I guess even to put it to put it lightly, even with that <laughs> cost of the of the um, of the Air, you you were saying like you would 100 percent still go with a Surface. Um, do you oh, want to yeah. just talk a little bit about why you would prefer a Surface over something like an iPad? Yeah. So the the way that I I kind of look at computer devices is there's kind of like three categories that I need to fill. And I feel like this is mostly the same for everyone, but obviously people are different, so it won't be the same for everyone, but I feel like it kind of fits for everyone. You need a high power device for, for work or for entertainment. If you're into gaming and stuff like that, you need a medium power portable device for, you know, commuting, or if you're traveling for business, or if you're a student going to school and you need a, low power, small device, like a smartphone for communications. And, you know, for me, that middle tier of like a low power portable device, the thing that is consistently the most capable in that tier is something like a Surface Pro 7, if you want the two-in-one or a traditional laptop, because for the amount of money that you're paying, you're still getting a lot of performance and capability and also being able to take it around. And to me, the iPad, like if I'm paying seven to $800 for an iPad Air or more than that for an iPad Pro, it just doesn't do enough to make it a worthwhile device. And I know you'd end up paying a significant chunk more for the Surface Pro 7. Like I'm looking on the website now and it starts at $999 Canadian. Um, With or without the case? And that's without the keyboard. Oh, but yeah. you'd also well, have the to buy the keyboard the... for the iPad anyway. So yeah, yeah. But same the thing with the iPad, like cheaper. Like even so, yeah, the, it... the entry level iPad, like we we didn't get into it when we we're talking about it, but like Apple's smart keyboard sucks, and it's like over two hundred dollars. So like mm-hmm. all of these accessories, especially with the iPad, are something to take into account because they, they don't come with them. You have to still buy an Apple Pencil if that's something you want. You still have to buy a keyboard. I always tell people to go with a third-party keyboard because um, that's like usually they're better than what Apple's offering and they're cheaper. Specifically with yeah. iPads and almost with two-in-ones in general, as I'm been starting to realize even with using the Chromebook Duet, is a lot of times the on-screen keyboard is less of a hassle. You know, setting up the tablet and like getting it to the right angles, like when you're actually using it on your lap, like if you had. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. To go to an event or you're essentially anywhere without a table is like impossible. It's not impossible, but it's like super annoying. You guys know what I'm talking about. But like, oh yeah. When you're using an iPad or a tablet, just like sitting on your lap and you're touching only the screen, you're not like trying to balance these like two parts of it together. I find it a lot easier. Yeah, but I couldn't I couldn't type for a long period of time or I couldn't type anything like serious or important on an iPad. It's just not the same. Like as good as the, the on-screen keyboard is, it I could not do my job of writing a lot of words on it. It just wouldn't work. 
No, I could do the iPad keyboard. I can't do Chrome OS or Android. I find those ones too bad on tablets. But I, iPad keyboard, yeah. honestly, like at the right angle with like little uh, smart cover stand kind of kicked up a little bit. Type for days. I love it. I honestly I hate, do. I hate, I hate the smart cover so much. Um, but I, I think the last thing about the, the iPad Air that's worth worth talking about um, is the design. Like, Bennett, you're you're a big design guy. Um, what did you think about the the different colors that uh, Apple showed off? I know there was one color missing that you were, you were pretty <laughs> sad about. Yeah, Apple always has like a yellow phone, but there's no yellow iPad. I'm a little upset about that because I just, I don't know, I've been into yellow a little bit lately. Um, but the design, I think, is great. I mean, and the iPad Air looked really cool always. I think adding color to the iPad Air almost puts it in to like a more fun zone. I don't know, making it like more appealing and like cheaper even though it's not really a cheap device um but yeah overall in terms of design i think there's like nothing to hate i i wish that this design would come to you know this like squared off strong almost like so kind of kind of soft kind of techie but kind of brutalist as well this like squared metal design if it would come to like iphones and even if they could somehow mold it to work with Macs, i think that would be really cool too um and i hope these ipads are kind of hinting at where apple goes in the future but we'll see yeah, yeah, that's I, your dream, isn't it? A Mac that looks like an I, I, iPad Pro or now an iPad Air. Yeah, I used to love that like first Pixel Book, that really squared kind of like Tron looking one. Uh, I just loved how like it was like this is a laptop. A laptop is a black box that's a square with a screen. It's like boom, and then you know Apple kind of does the same thing with like, this really squared off design on the iPads. And I think like basically making two iPad Pros kiss would be like my my dream macbook it's <laughs> <laughs> a great That's way great. of putting it yeah, yeah that that would be pretty ideal uh in terms of a macbook design i think that would be really cool um and there's been rumors that the iphone 12 is going to kind of resurrect that you know iphone 5 style squared off design so we'll see where it goes but your dreams might yeah, we'll be we'll know soon enough i think it'd be true. smart to do something different like that as all smartphones really are like you know just all are rounded off nowadays and like very circular and very soft uh doing something very like brick like and 90 degree edges and like whatnot you know i think that will just stand out a little bit more which would be cool and that's very apple so so the next device in this from this event um is the that we're going to talk about anyways is the the apple watch se um, this was rumored a little bit, but I didn't know if it would actually happen because Apple has a history of just making like the previous Apple Watch, the budget model. Um, this device is interesting because it looks exactly like the Apple Watch Series 4 to Series 6. It's got that more expansive screen. Um, it doesn't have the always-on display. It doesn't have ECG uh the thing that I would miss is the always on display. I, that was like a huge game changer for me with the Apple Watch because I use it for notifications. So getting that quick at a glance information wouldn't be possible with this device. But it's it's like this interesting package because like it has so many features from the Series 4. It's got the same, the same processor. Um, I do think that it costs probably a little bit too much in Canada. 369 for the GPS version is that's like... I think that's a lot of money for a device that isn't like necessary, quote unquote, to your life. Um, I think it would be a little more competitive at $300 because that's yeah. just slightly more than the Versa or even like 
250 would have been absolutely incredible in Canada. So I'm hoping that we see discounts or Apple pushes down the price or like the Apple Watch SE2 is a little bit cheaper. But I I think this is a a really interesting way for Apple to position the Apple Watch as an as an entry level device. Uh, Bennett, what what did you think about just in general? Like, what did you think about the SE? I think it's cool. Yeah, like gearing it almost, it seems more geared towards like fitness or uh, that like family planning thing that Apple should off in the States where you can kind of like track your kids when they have yeah. an Apple Watch. Um, so maybe this is like the Apple Watch sucks you get for your kids if you want to track it them. It sucks that's not coming here at launch. Is it? Do you want, I don't know. Yeah, I'm it's like, not, it's, okay. <laughs> it's, there's certain things with that that I, I would appreciate. Like, I don't think I, I would. I don't have children, but I don't think I would want to track my kids. There's certain things like if I were to get an Apple Watch for my mom, it would nice be nice to be able to like change settings for her remotely from my my device. Yeah, that's like be- the feature that I'm interested in. So it's yeah. disappointing that that's not coming um, at least at launch, just because it's linked to, to carrier stuff, and that's a whole mess here. Yeah, it's a yeah. whole mess everywhere. I think, but yeah. So the SE, it's cool. It's weird that the SE. Isn't the colorful one? I mean, we'll get into the iPhone or Apple Watch Series 6 later, but they came up with colors for that one, but not for the SE, even though, like, you know, traditionally with Apple, the lower cost devices are the colorful options. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, like you said before, the loss of the always on display really kills it for me. I mean, it sets up the SE 2 to be awesome with an always on display, but it's weird that they just sort of like cherry picked features to give and take to this device that seems easily capable enough to handle them all. I don't know. Yeah. I think part of it is they have to kind of create a sense of value um, to give people a reason to go for the more expensive series six. But yeah, I, I definitely get what you're saying with the, with the always on display. Um, I don't know. I've, I've found at least with my use of smartwatches, I haven't been an Apple watch user, but it's nice to have the always on display, but the hit that it usually gives to battery life is not worth it in my opinion. So when I use that was smart the, watches, it's like I I don't use the always on display. That's that fair. was the thing with the series five that I found very impressive was that I could still get roughly two days of, of battery life out of that smartwatch before it died. So I agree with you. But then when the five came out, that was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. Um, because somehow Apple was able to make that that battery life last to a reasonable amount. Um, mm-hmm. But like back in the day when I used the Moto 360, you could make that display be always on, but it destroyed the battery. It would barely get through through a day. Yeah. Does anyone know the differences mm-hmm. between the Series 4, the Series 5, and the SE? Like why did Apple decide to use SE branding instead of just lowering the price of one of its previous watches like it did in the past? So there's there's not a lot. Like it has the same expand so between i I gotta think about this carefully i I know someone will probably tweet me with corrections so the series four was the first apple watch that had that like bigger screen with the smaller bezels yep the series five was the first apple watch with the always on display so the se has that same expansive screen um from both of those watches it doesn't have ecg but it also still has the same s5 processor that the four and five had so it's like this kind of hybrid device between the two um i guess that's why they went with a different name but i think apple's also pushing like this whole se thing as their entry level devices uh device line in in some sense 
But mm-hmm. since it has the same chipset as the uh, Series 5, which had the always-on display, like there's really no reason for the SE not to have it other than, yeah, like what John said, Apple. Differentiating. You know, yeah. Which is just kind of annoying. And, is, and it's annoying when it's just like clear to see. With the hardware, is there any difference in the display tech? Like is the SE using an LCD panel while the Series 6 is OLED and the Series 5 is OLED? Or is it all OLED? Uh, every Apple Watch uh, ever has always been OLED as far as I can tell. If they put the SE into LCD territory, that would be like a whole different thing. Yeah, okay. There's some sort of special display technology that's implemented in the Series 5. So I believe that this one, ha- the SE has the Series 4 screen. I can't remember the specific like term for it, though. Crap. Oh, there's some I can't remember crystal the crystal in the glass. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's like kind of where I was going, lingo. that it was like maybe a hardware thing, because like you said, so the Series 4, did it support um, always on display? Or no. did that the Series the 4 series did 5? not, the Series 5 did. So the, the marketing term, okay. I just Google it, is Apple is always on retina display that came with the Series 5. Um, mm-hmm. And there's like some stuff that they did with the black levels to save battery life. There's, there's like things going on behind the scenes. Um, but I, I believe that this, that, that the SE has the Series 4's um, uh, screen. And like, like I just got all these devices today. Like I have the the iPad 2020. I have the um, Apple Watch SE. I have the Apple Watch Series 6. I'm holding the SE in my hand right now and like looking at it directly beside the Series 6. It looks the same, like the display quality, like the brightness, the color vibrancy, all of it looks the same. The screen just turns off. <laughs> it's mm. kind of it's kind of strange. Like I totally see where you guys are coming from with that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, it, yeah, it's just like a weird value with the whole thing. Like it, it is a good value, and it's definitely the watch that I tell my friends to get. Like I'm definitely not telling anyone to get a Series Three anymore. But yeah, like I don't know. Uh, I guess I guess if it was me, I'd be buying the Series Six which is kind of annoying to say because I don't care about it. Many of the other features, but I do want that always on display that. So yeah, that, that segues right into the series six. That was, I guess, probably next to the air, the biggest announcement from the keynote. We knew that that was coming. The Apple watch is getting these yearly updates at this point. It's a pretty like, I would call it like an exciting update to the Apple watch line. It features blood oxygen level detection, which is an interesting feature, but I don't know if it's something that I am necessarily. Like, yeah, that's that I that's necessarily the care about. SpO two sensor, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that's something that's been around on some other watches for a little while. I know Fitbit has had it for a little bit. So I'm kind of surprised that it's taken Apple this long. I thought they had it before. I don't know. Yeah. They have um, a bunch of sensors. What does this even do? Like. Is this something that people need for fitness or is this like a health only type of thing? You know, so that, that's what's interesting. And I still need to do more research on it. But like it's a thing that people that are really into fitness care about. I know that. But Apple is also part of um, several like large case studies that have Canadian connections with different academic institutions. I'm going to do like a feature about that specifically at some point where they're looking at like the health benefits of blood oxygen level detection. But like for me personally, as a user, that is not a feature that I care about and it's not something that I would use. But I could say the same thing about 
ECG last year. Like I didn't, I didn't care about that. Um, I, I, I mean, there's other stuff new with this watch, like the processor bump. I don't use a lot of apps on the watch, so I'm not sure that's a big deal to me personally either, but I do care about the display. The display is brighter. It supposedly has slightly better battery life. I've only had it for like four hours at this point. So I, I obviously can't verify that. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is like, there's not a lot new here. What has the wide band chip? It does have the ultra wide band chip, but they won't really say what that's for yet, obviously, because it relates to the often rumored air tags, which is like Apple's tile, like Bluetooth tracking system. So there's, I guess what I'm saying is there's, there's upgrades here, but it's nothing significant and it's nothing very exciting, I guess, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. I don't, like you said, you've only had the series six for a couple hours so far. So I'm not sure if you'll be able to answer this. Um, but I know with the Fitbit, the SpO2 uh, oxygen level, blood oxygen level detection is basically it just runs when you're sleeping. Um, yeah, this does that too. And it that's really the only kind of use case for it. It doesn't work any like it doesn't work throughout the day, at least not that I've discovered. I've been using Fitbit's new uh, sense watch for a little bit about a day so far. So I can't really talk a lot about it. Um, but in my experience with the, the Fitbit stuff so far, the SPO two is basically just, it runs at night. Um, and the idea is that it tells you what your, how much oxygen is in your blood. And if there's significant drops in that level, when you're sleeping, it could indicate a breathing issue such as sleep apnea. Um, so I guess it's useful for that if you are having a sleeping issue your watch could potentially give you an idea of what's going on there the the health stuff with the apple watch has like the new ecg that came out last year and stuff like that to me has always almost felt gimmicky but like gimmicky with a purpose like you know how smartphones come out with kind of crazy weird features that feel super gimmicky like the pixel 4 is solely sensor it came out everybody was like oh that's kind of neat and then after the first month of the phone being out, everybody stopped using it and nobody talked about it ever again. Totally. It was a gimmick, right? Yeah. So the Apple Watch health stuff, like ECG and SpO2, kind of seems like that to me, but it actually does have a useful purpose for some people. It's just kind of niche or like health-based. Like if you have a heart problem, ECG is probably a huge thing for you. Yeah, like a life-changing so, thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like, the watch os series six and the watch or i'm getting all confused here okay apple watch series six <laughs> and apple watch se it's almost like apple chose the wrong way to differentiate them it's almost like the series six or the se one of them should have been health and fitness focused you know packed full of sensors bum 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 it's got everything so if you want to use this to track your fitness track your bike rides track your workout you know, you want it for fall detection for your grandma. You want it for uh, to check your heart rate all the time because maybe you have a murmur or all of those things that Apple Watch can do that are like great and wonderful should be in one model. And then the SE, which is the cheaper model, should just have sort of like the regular smartwatch things and like without fitness, you know, like we don't need gyroscope and accelerometer. I don't need ECG or blood oxygen. I just want like my notifications. I want to be able to like, you know, use all the Apple Watch apps and I want the like always on display screen. I want the battery life. 
I just don't need all of the extra things that you're saying are gimmicky, but are useful for certain niches. You know, why don't they just make yeah. the niche wash and then also make the watch for the people? If the SE had that always on display, I think you could make the argument that that is that like that device that's focused on notifications. But unfortunately, that's not. That's but not it still has a lot of the fitness stuff. It has like the accelerometer and the gyroscope. I think it has an altimeter to detect how like how high you are above sea level like like it's still i don't know it's crazy like yeah i guess that must be the distinction then but i just wish the sc mm-hmm. was cheaper and I, I wish apple was more clear with its distinction but i guess it just like wants people to still be spending like you know 900 dollars on stainless steel apple watches and yeah and i <laughs> I, I, I almost wish there was like a third apple watch option that did away with most of the smart watch features and was purely health focused um, mm. and the reason I say that is, you know, I, I use a couple, I've used a couple different fitness trackers and, and smartwatches in the last few years. And the one that I found that I enjoyed the most is the Nokia slash Withings sport, which basically just looks like a typical analog watch, but it's got, you know, your heart rate sensor and step counter and a couple other fitness things in it, um, sleep tracking and stuff like that. And I love it because I can just put it on my wrist and then not think about it for a month because it doesn't have any of the smart features to kind of drag down the battery. So I literally charge it once a month and then just don't think about it. And it's great. And I don't want notifications on my wrist. Um, I don't need to take phone calls on my wrist. I don't need to stream music on my wrist. Those features are all cool, but I just I have no interest in them. I just want something that passively tracks health stuff. And I can just not think about it. As, as we talk about this, I think the thing that is fascinating to me about the Apple Watch, but also just wearables in general is, is unlike phones, I think that there's such a wide use case for them. Like some people only use their Apple Watch for fitness, right? Like they use Strava and, and that's all they use it for. They even only just put it on for that purpose. There's like people who really care about the health features. And there's people like myself who just use it for notifications. Like there's such a wide range of use cases for it. And I don't think that's just exclusive to the the series, like the, the Apple watch. I think that's the case with, with all wearables. Cause like back when I used Fitbit devices frequently, I didn't really use the fitness features. I just used it as a watch and a notification device. So yeah, I, I don't know. Just, just spitballing about that. I, I just think it's, it's interesting that I think more so than other tech devices, wearables and smartwatches seem to just have this like wide array of purposes depending on on the person using it you could say even ipads kind of fall into that earlier to a lesser degree but yeah I yeah mean, that's, that's true, what like yeah. ties this whole event together it's like here are all of apple's products that you don't need in your life but they might be cool if you got an extra 500 bucks <laughs> lying around yeah absolutely yeah the, uh, the the last thing that I just wanted to talk about with this before we move into uh, the last segment of the podcast is just the different colors that are available this year. Cause that's something that I always care about. I know that's something that the Bennett you, you care about as well. Um, so there's a gold, a gold one again, I believe they brought that back. Um, there's a new Apple watch product red. And then there's the one that I have the blue aluminum case. I, I wasn't like negative about the blue one when it was revealed, but now that I have it on my, on my wrist, like, it looks kind of like a toy, like it's less sleek than the other colors, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I, I could see that. I kind of, especially, I mean, did you get the infinite loop band? <laughs> like it looks like I didn't. I, I have, I have no new bands. 
I'm very um, sad about that. I, I was going to do like a specific feature just about the new bands, but I, I don't have them. Yeah, the new ba- I mean, uh, before I'll get into like the colors, the new bands, the new watch faces for the most part, like I'm a fan of uh, that like really dumb looking watch face that's like apparently some artist, but it's like his eyes are the time. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. And uh, it like changes. I was just playing people. around with that. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I love the like braided watch strap. I the red one I kind of like for this like super nerdy reason that like if you had the red Apple Watch and the red iPhone, you could pretend that you're like a Pokemon trainer with a Pokedex uh, in sort of like a modern day world <laughs> setting, which I think is like a fun little uh, lifestyle that I could possibly see myself falling into had I had enough money to buy all this red Apple gear. Um, but the blue one, yeah, kind of looks like a toy, and the red one to an extent too. I think Apple is a miss. Um, weirdly enough with the colors this time apple is usually you know the king of colors when it comes to tech products but i think I, yeah most both of these are misses i think i don't know yeah i'd, I'd agree I'm, I'm not like it's not an ugly device by any means but like I'm, I'm looking at it right now playing around with it changing the watch faces and like yeah i'm, I'm not a big fan of the blue i i i think that the other colors I, I didn't like the gold either to be fair when that was a thing a couple years ago i know they brought that back um like, but, I guess I kind of yeah, get not, the, not a big fan. The blue, like when you look at like, you know, like Omega, or like the or like, you know, expensive watches, like navy blue definitely is like a big recurring color in the watch oh, okay. face design. I don't know. Interesting. Like there are other colors, too. You know, like you generally see like watch faces that are like white, kind of a cream colored or like navy blue or black. So I guess it kind of makes sense for Apple to go with navy blue. And this also might be foreshadowing like a navy blue iPhone, but it's weird and I don't know, like, do you think it would be better for Apple to use the green color from the iPhone as opposed to this blue? Oh man, that would have been interesting. Like that sort of like an army screen, the stealthy. Yeah. Just get some camo. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would would definitely fit that like sort of style. I think actually, I guess now that I said that that's the worst part about these colorful watches is they're not as like versatile, you know, like with the silver watch, you can wear that with like any outfit. It's a silver watch with a blue or a red watch or, you know, hypothetically a green watch, you're more limited, which seems weird for this like $600 device that you should be wearing all the time to like track all these things that you paid for to track. I don't know. It's not like yeah, a regular watch a where you, sw- you swap it on and off with other watches. Maybe. So you I, I guess that's, that's a good place to, to wrap it up. I, I thought it was an okay event. I mean, I was disappointed with the, the iPhones, um, all of my my stuff related to this will be on the site by the time you uh, hear this podcast on Friday. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about the the games that we have been playing. Yeah, uh, John, do you want to start this off? Sure, I would love to. Uh, so I've recently been playing a. I think it's new um, game called spell breaker or spell break. I don't it's breaker breakers. I don't remember what uh, I'm looking right now to, to see spell break. That's what it's called. It is a PC game. Um, It's free on the Epic store and it's basically a battle Royale style game, but instead of the traditional one where you like drop onto the map with a parachute and you collect weapons and and ammunition and supplies to like survive, it's all like wizards. So you stop, you, you pick like a elemental gauntlet 
that you wear. So you can pick like fire, ice, um, earth, wind, uh, or toxic, and which is basically just like acid. Uh, and then you drop onto the map and you can collect, you can get other gauntlets. So you have one on each hand and it's really cool because you can like combine elements. So you can like combine your fire and your, and your rocks to throw molten uh, boulders at people and stuff like that. It's really, really fun. Um, and there's just all kinds of cool different stuff that you can do. Um, so it's a really neat take on the battle Royale that kind of makes you feel like avatar, the, the last airbender. It's neat. It sounds is cool. it like first person or third person? Third person. Okay, yeah. cool. So this is a cool map. You know, you're in like a Harry Potter style castle or anything fun. Or... Yeah, it's it's all really? like medieval. Oh, cool. There's like ruined ruined castles around you and like mountains and stuff like that. And there's like a couple of cool different areas. There's like a desert temple area and there's like a spooky forest that's all like foggy. It's it's a really really neat game. Um, that actually does. Sound it's good. new, you so it, was it could free? use. Yeah, free to play ah. uh, on PC. I think it might be on other stuff too, but I'm not sure. I'm going to look that up. But yeah, that's what I've been playing. It's a lot well, of fun. She sounds fun, yeah. Free is Brad, what have, uh, Brad, what have you been playing? Um, it's it's like embarrassing, but uh, <laughs> it's really embarrassing. Pokemon I, Go? I, I'm playing Breath of the Wild again, or finishing Breath of the Wild. Nice. For, yeah, so I'm, I'm back. Uh, I've been playing it like all week because I want to get Mario All-Stars when it comes out on Friday, but I'm like, ah, maybe I should try and like really clear out a game off of my Switch library. So I've been just trying to get like as many shrines as I can. I've kind of got like, I don't know, half of the map. I've got like all the shrines on. I'm kind of burnt out on them. So Such a good game, man. Yeah, I'm just like trying to make my way through Hyrule Castle right now. Pretty maxed out, feeling pretty tough, you know. Um, so that was that yeah. that game. That's the only part of it that I didn't like was Hyrule Castle. I found it so frustrating. I've seen like videos of people like sneaking in the back door, and uh, I've just been that's I've been getting lost a lot last night. So I might end up like bailing out and sneaking in the back door. Yeah, I yeah. believe I ended up sneaking in the back door and then just like climbing in different places and like avoiding those crazy laser monster things. Yeah, yeah, the guardians are tough. Like. I only have like a, I don't know, maybe two or three shields left. I just like burning through them all doing the shield deflection. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to last. Like I'm hoping to find more shields when I face Ganon, but that's where I'm at. Um, just, yeah. Trying to finish Breath of the Wild up. I also have What the Golf. I don't know if anyone ever played that. It's a Switch game I, I bought. That was, I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. It's sort of like this game that's like golf, but it's just like totally just keeps like subverting your ex- expectations. Um, the multiplayer sucks. But the single player is really good. So like the first game, you're like this dude at the golf course, you're like lining up and then you figure out how to shoot and you like pull back and you shoot. But instead of the ball going flying, the dude who you thought you were controlling is actually the ball and he goes oh, flying. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's that game. Um, and then like every level is just like a different spin. So like one point you're like a soccer ball. So the way you like sort of push the ball is like a lot of like short kicks to keep it in keep it controlled so you could like dribble it as opposed to like long shots you would do with a golf ball or then you end up in like all these 2d stages where you're like playing almost like uh what's that noodle cake golf game super stickman golf almost and it just like every few levels just starts like twisting things and just like on one point you're shooting like a million golf balls and you have to just make one of them make it to the end it's like really complicated course it's okay you know i don't know if it's worth whatever i paid for it but it's probably worth like 10 bucks it's clever. I uh, just a few times. nice. 
<laughs> really quickly uh i looked it up and Spellbreak is available on pc through the epic game store as well as switch playstation and xbox and it's free so nice definitely check no it out way. it's free super on fun switch. i've been loving the switch lately so that's exciting so i have been playing tony hawk's first gator one and two a remake of the original games and i absolutely love it it's probably my favorite game of 2020 and likely the best remake that i've ever encountered it's the same game that i played 20 years ago but looks way better and that's all that i want from from that sort of experience uh it's gotten some pretty pretty rave reviews i think anyone who hasn't played those games before would probably find it a little strange but uh for someone like myself who like who grew up on that game and that was a pretty pretty big part of my life for several years that that franchise um it's cool to be able to revisit it and and have it not suck like like other recent entries <laughs> in that series. Um, and then on top of that, I've been playing Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Uh, I did a story about Tony Hawk and Super Mario 3D All-Stars that, that's on mobile SERP. I've done a lot of gaming stuff the last little bit, actually, which has been a nice change of pace for me, a little bit of a return to my, my roots, so to speak. Um, and I, I was pleasantly surprised with the remake. All of those games... Uh, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario uh, Galaxy have aged extremely well. I would say that it's a bit of a lazy port by Nintendo because all the company did is increase the resolution and change like some very subtle things like input controls and things like that. Um, Super Mario 64 in particular, like that game still plays incredibly well but it looks like absolute trash in high definition. And then Super Mario Sunshine and Galaxy look shockingly good. Like Nintendo's art style has aged so incredibly well. It, I was really, really surprised. But there's like this weird um, heat rising effect in Super Mario the Heat uh, Shimmer. Sunshine. Like on... Heat Shimmer. Sure. That, 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 like it, it was like this... It was this big thing with the GameCube um, to kind of show off like that system's graphical power. And it looks okay in HD when you're playing in, in uh, like handheld. But when you put it in docked mode, it like, and, and I guess I should preface this with like, there's certain things now in my, in my old age that make me sick in video games, but like, I Just cannot play. CMA. Just make you sick. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's things in uh, so in in sunshine in particular that like what what did you call it Bennett the heat shimmer heat shimmer like I can't look at it, it makes me motion sick mm. um, and I wish there's a way to turn it off and I think it looks weird in just in general in HD it doesn't have that that same effect it like looks too crisp it's it's kind of strange but I seem to be one of the only people who have who had that issue because I, I didn't see it um, mentioned in other other reviews that that I read about the game. Everyone else is just enthralled with that tropical locale and uh, playing with a water gun. I love the setting, man. Like that's it's such a unique, a unique setting for a Mario game. It's it's really cool. Yeah, that's like kind of the worst and best thing about like you know Mario and Zelda and a lot of those like Nintendo games is they never really get like true sequels. You know, so like 
you know, I guess Breath of the Wild were lucky because everybody loves it and they're going to make a sequel that's like kind of the same game in a different similar location, which would be cool. But like Super Mario Sunshine gets a lot of love. Wind Waker, they gets a lot of love. I guess Wind Waker did get DS sequels, but those don't really count. But like all these great Nintendo franchises set in these like awesome locations and like, you know, they just could have been honed a little more and it's like they just never get sequels, you know? Like if you love Sunshine, you don't necessarily have to love Mario Galaxy and vice versa. Yeah, it's a good point. I've never thought about it uh, that way before. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Sunshine was like one of my um, first GameCube games I ever owned. And like, I've just been dreaming about a sequel my whole life and it'll never happen. It's going to happen now. It's, it's got the revival and it's coming because of, because uh, of all stars. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Thanks for listening to the syrup cast. Be sure to drop us a review on iTunes you can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore Rourke and, of course, on mobilesurf.com. Like I said, all of the stuff related to the Apple, new Apple devices that we talked about today, all of that will be on the site. I have previews of, uh, sorry, reviews of every game we mentioned to Tony Hawk, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Um, yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been busy the last couple, couple of weeks, to say the least. Uh, Bennett, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere at the Brad Fad. And then, of course, you can find me on mobilesyrup.com or uh, our YouTube channel. And we actually, there's been some talks, but we might get some new videos back up shortly. We'll see what happens. Uh, Ooh, but yeah. Exciting. And uh, John, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John, J-O-N underscore Lamont, L-A-M-O-N-T. And uh, on the website, mobilesyrup.com. And as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm-hmm. 